You're watching the Mad Podcast. Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. John, how was your weekend of UNO hockey? An exciting series, our final series of the first half uh, of the season. Uh, December hockey is always a lot of fun, a lot of interesting festivities around the series uh, at Baxter Arena this weekend. Uh, But before we get to the series, uh, we've got to give a shout out to our official merchandise sponsor this season, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. I was perusing the Lawler's Custom booth, uh, talking with owner Pat Lawler. He pointed out a new sweatshirt design uh, that they had at the booth this weekend. Uh, so uh, if you're doing uh, Christmas shopping uh, the next couple of weeks uh, for that uh, Mav fan in your life, you might want to check out that sweatshirt and check out the other merchandise uh, they have at uh Lawler's Custom Sportswear's brick and mortar store on South 84th uh, or their website uh, at lawlerscustom.com. But turning to that uh, Friday, December 8th game uh, against St. Cloud State, like I said, our final series uh, of the first half of the season, our final NCHC series of the first half of the series, uh, St. Cloud rolling into town, 6-0, and undefeated in NCHC play uh, at the top of the conference. Real great opportunity uh, for UNO uh, to play uh, one of the top teams in the conference, see where they're at going into the holiday break. Uh, 12.55 into that first period, uh, Jack Randall gets the scoring started. A nice assist by uh, defenseman Noah Ellis. Yeah, a really good play by Randall to get the puck to the net. And, you know, that's something that we need to see from him more often. Certainly at the start of the season, we talked about him being a little bit snake bitten. Uh, and, you know, this team is going to struggle to score goals. So you're really looking for someone like him to to bring some offense. And the last few weeks he started to do that. So hopefully he can keep the train on the tracks with that. Absolutely right. Uh Hope uh, his momentum continues going into the second half of the season. 1727 into that first period. Uh, St. Cloud ties it up. Uh, Werner Mietnan, talented freshman that we talked about on last week's episode of the Mab Podcast, uh, ties the game on the power play. Uh, it's one to one after the first period. I thought UNO had some good opportunities that first period. Overall, I thought they played well. Jason, what did you think uh, going into that second period? Yeah, I think they played better the first part of that that period than they did the la- the latter part of it. Uh, and I think that shows with the power plays. You know, they were starting to to get some longer shifts. They were starting to reach, and you know, you end up with uh, tripping calls and holding calls and things like that when you when you start to do that as a team. And so can't give them power plays, you know, and overall I thought we did a fairly good job of that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we get snake bitten on that first one. Just, you know, too many guys thinking too much stuff. And, you know, unfortunately you, you kind of skate away from a good period tied one-to-one, but, you know, we knew this going in, like you look at the numbers, you look at the stats, you look at these types of teams, you know, St. Cloud plays a similar game to Omaha so you really expected this to be kind of the whole series to be one goal games, a lot of 
uh, you know, small, minute differences, and it's going to be the details as to who wins and who loses. Absolutely right. Uh, so that second period uh, on Friday nights, 238 into the second, and Jason knows I'm thrilled to talk about uh, this goal. St. Cloud goes ahead two to one. Uh, fans were chirping about this one online. Uh, they're still chirping about it uh, on Sunday morning as we're recording this episode. Uh, St. Cloud's Hall was skating down toward the UNO net. Omaha's Gavin was defending. Uh, he fell on the ice as he was skating backwards. His momentum carried him uh, on the ice in Hall's path, uh, causing Hall to go down. The puck is also going toward the net. Uh, Hall takes Omaha goaltender Simon Lacozzi into our net, knocking the net off of its moorings. Uh, but the puck is still headed across the goal line. And then St. Cloud's Ross Burrow was credited with the goal. He taps the goal then into the net. I know fans were wondering about this. They were like, wait a minute, the net came off the moorings. Was that a problem? They were worried it was goaltender interference. Jason and I talked about this at length this morning, which I know Jason was thrilled to do <laughs> early on a Sunday morning. Uh, we looked up the rule. Uh, the rule is rule 26.2 in the NCAA rule book about net dislodgement. In the event that the goalpost is displaced, either deliberately or accidentally by a defending player, Prior to the puck crossing the goal line between the normal position of the goalposts, the referee may award a goal. Um, in order to award the goal in this situation, the goal must have been displaced by the actions of a defending player. The puck must have been shot or the player must be in the position to shoot at the goal prior to the goalpost being displaced. And it must be determined that the puck would have entered the net between the normal position of the goalposts. Jason, I know you're not a Supreme Court justice here, but what did you think of that? You know, it's mostly Simon with the momentum of the player coming into him that ends up dislodging the net. And so you've got that to kind of add to it. I think, you know, the, the big, the big one I heard right off the bat was, Oh, it's goaltender interference. And so I think that's the easy one to kind of put to bed is it was, you know, it was our player that, that tripped their player and their player went into the net. Like that's not, they can't make an effort basically is what they're going to look at like that. And it's a bang, bang play. So like, there's really no way that Simon's going to get, you know, back into uh, back into the play to try to make that save that quickly and stuff. And and then you get into the things that are a little bit more uh, subjective with the net dislodgement, you know, it's, it's clearly rising up the mooring uh, before the puck is in the net. Um, but at what point do you consider the net to be dislodged? Is it the moment that it, you know, separates from the ice? Cause you know, anyone's who played, played hockey or played goalie or something, you know, that when the goalies slide over to those posts, you know, they'll, they'll jump up a little bit every time. And so, you know, what are you going to qualify as, as net dislodgement? And I think that my, my assumption, and, and again, like we never hear anything from the refs. So this is all just, you know, looking at the video and saying i assume that they're seeing this and that's why they called it that way kind of thing um 
But my assumption is they probably looked at it and said that the puck was across the line before the post comes completely off the mooring. And therefore, you know, that part of the rule is irrelevant and the goal counts. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sucky thing to, to have happen, but at the same time, like I look at it going like, how are you going to bounce back from this? You know, these kinds of plays happen. Um, these kinds of decisions, you know, they happen over and over and over again. So in, in the course of a season, you know, I, I really wanted to see UNO say like, all right, well, we got screwed on that call. Let's push back. Let's go, you know, pedal the metal. Let's, you know, get that goal back quickly. And unfortunately, we just really couldn't find a footing to to get it back. Right. That was the only goal that was scored uh, in the second period. Uh, St. Cloud leads two to one uh, after two periods, like you said, an interesting uh, sequence of events on that goal. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I got uh, some good video uh, on my iPhone from uh, section 216. So uh, if you are watching on YouTube, you are seeing that video right now. And if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, be sure to tune in and uh, watch it uh, after you listen to this. Uh, third period, uh, 56 seconds into the third, St. Cloud's Dylan Anhorn puts uh, puts the Huskies up uh, three to one. That was really kind of a momentum killer right there, Jason. Yeah, and I think that was the point that I really felt like you and I was going to struggle to to get back in this. You know, like we said, these are two very similar teams. Uh, we certainly you know, had opportunities on the power play, but we've talked about our power play and its inefficiency. And so that wasn't helping us at all. Uh, you know, we certainly had our opportunities to kind of get back, but you just really felt like a two goal difference was just too much for Omaha to kind of find it uh, on that Friday night. Um, and then the empty net goal, I never really count much for empty net goals, but you know, that's just the, you know, nail in the coffin kind of thing. And so be it be it what it is, you know, it was a it was a tight game. They played well, you know, overall, like I think UNO had a good showing. Um, I think they were certainly within um, within reach of the optimistic approach that you took last week and saying that we were going to win both. And I think that's something good to take out of that game is saying, yeah, we lost, but we played well. So let's clean a few things up. Let's do a few things different. Uh, let's get the split on Saturday night. As you mentioned, UNO did have opportunities uh, to win this game. And uh, Coach Gabinette said in the post-game presser that uh, UNO needs to find a way to win that type of game. I felt like we were even with this team. Uh, we just didn't capitalize uh, on some of the opportunities uh, that we had in that game. Uh, so going into Saturday night, Jason, 5.06 into the first period, uh, St. Cloud's Grant Ashan puts a move on Lacozzi. Uh, the Huskies are up one to nothing early, but uh, but in the closing moments of that first period, uh, Jason, in the final minute of the first period, UNO defenseman Kirby Proctor skates the puck coast to coast, putting moves on St. Cloud's Werner Mietnin as he goes, and he ties it up one to one for Omaha. I was honestly shocked. When I was, because I was sitting there recording, watching the ice at the same time, I was shocked. These defensemen this season are, are you know, taking the law into their own hands. Uh, that was a beautiful uh, goal by uh, Kirby Proctor. Yeah, he just, he can't get shown up by his uh, D pairing over there with uh, Mancini, right? <laughs> 
Absolutely. It kind of reminded me of Mancini's goal a few weeks ago in uh, overtime uh, that you and I both liked. So, yeah, Kirby uh, having a, yeah. So St. Cloud had committed three into the zone pretty deep early, early on on that rush when, when he gets the turnover. And Bremer was last man in, and he was in the neutral zone wide open. And I'm just thinking, like, why is the first pass not up there? And then, you know, join the rush and try to be you know, the option. So that's what I thought he was going to do. You know, I even thought that after he crossed our blue line and thinking like, okay, he just wanted to gain some space and then he'll make the pass. He still didn't make the pass. I'm like, what is he doing? You're a defenseman. Why are you pushing the play? Like, and then he makes the, you know, he makes the good move. The defenseman for St. Cloud goes fishing for a puck and, you know, Kirby does that just a little bit of a drag move amazingly. And, you know, fires a good shot and it was just, it was it was impressive. It was fun to see, uh, but I'm sure if he doesn't score that goal, there's probably a couple coaches on the bench that are you know knocking on his helmet, going um, past the dang puck. Kirby is making uh, making the most uh, of his uh, limited time left uh, at UNO as an upperclassman. Uh, the game was tied one to one at the end of the first period. Uh, 1029 into the second, uh, junior Ty Mueller puts UNO up two to one. Ty steals the puck uh, on that play uh, and the crowd rejoices. Uh, got a great, great goal for Ty Mueller, Jason. Yeah, a bad angle shot that finds the back of the net. And, you know, that makes you really happy. Another unassisted goal. So, you know, I think the the real negative you take away from those or like it's not a systems thing it's not a play thing it's just an individual effort it's good you know we want we want Mueller to have that freedom to you know challenge puck carriers steal pucks you know get pucks to net and you know hopefully like we talked about with Randall and stuff you know he's seeing that role of you know being the guy that's there when it doesn't go into the back of the net and then that puck bounces out into the slot area so Late in the second period, uh, 17-29 into the second. SCSU's Kyler Kupka uh, turns on the afterburners uh, and uh, ties it up for the Huskies. Uh, the game is tied 2-2 two to two after the second. And that's uh, that's all of the scoring that happened, but uh, it was uh, an entertaining uh, third period, Jason. Yeah, and I really felt like... You know, UNO was getting tracked a little bit. We were having some problems in the third. I was a little worried going through that third period about like when's that that late goal going to happen that, you know, is just kind of like the defleeting goal that's three minutes left in the game. And now UNO has to just kind of find a way. But, you know, luckily we make it all the way through regulation tied and we get some uh, free hockey. Ty Mueller had a nice uh, breakaway opportunity in that third period. Uh, it's too bad uh, he couldn't uh, put that in the net. Uh, so three on three OT. Game was still tied uh, two to two after the three on three overtime period. That means uh, in the NCAA record books, the game goes down as a tie. But uh, for conference purposes, in order to determine who gets the extra conference point the game goes to a shootout fans always love shootouts uh the only goal scored in the shootout was by ty mueller uh and the mavs win the extra point so they get two points in the game saint cloud gets one mavs get two out of six points on the weekend uh, and they go on to win the shootout 
Um, good performance for UNO. Good way to salvage some points on this weekend. Uh, stifle St. Cloud's winning streak in the NCHC. You know, the two points definitely, you know, helps us. So right now you're multiple games behind Denver for that last home playoff uh, spot. And, you know, you're looking at Colorado College, just one point ahead of you. So at least we're staying in the hunt. But I want to know from you, John. So we only got to see two Omaha shooters in the the shootout. Uh, You got to you got to pick for who you think would have been the third if we needed them. I'm going to just say Kirby Proctor. I would have put him in. <laughs> put the most unlikely defenseman who had a, a beautiful end to end goal. You know, I might throw a wrench in the engine and put somebody like Charlie Lurie in there who hasn't got a lot of playing time this season. Just see what he can do. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Time Mueller for uh, getting that goal uh, in the shootouts. Uh, it was nice for fans and the players to be able to celebrate in the lobby uh, afterwards going into the uh, Christmas break. But I got to ask you, Jason, who is your player of the week for this series against St. Cloud State? This was rough. I don't know how you're feeling, but like, there's a lot of guys that I liked on Saturday that just didn't have good Friday games. Uh, you know, there's a few guys that I thought played okay on Friday, but then just played okay on Saturday too. So I really struggled with trying to come up with like who I was going to pick. Uh, and so I think I'm going to go off the board. I don't know. We mentioned him too much, but Rafe, I noticed Ray fussed a lot. Uh, and it's like, I don't think, like it wasn't a lot of production, you know, he had some shots, you know, he had some, some opportunities here and there. Um, but he's just like one of those guys that I just noticed his play. Uh, and, you know, I think I like that. I I've heard NHL coaches talk about, you know, the guy just plays heavy uh, where you just, you kind of can't ignore the fact that he's out there. And I just kind of related that to, to Ray Fuss this weekend. And so, I'll give him a shout out. Like you said, he's a good, solid player for UNO. Three goals and four assists on this season. So uh, he'll definitely be a factor uh, going into those second half games. So I like that pick, Jason. I always enjoy when you kind of pick off the board. Always makes things more interesting. Uh, I'm going to pick junior forward Ty Mueller, uh, who had a goal in regulation uh, and a goal in the shootout, uh, helping UNO secure two of six points on the weekend. He has six goals and six assists this season. Uh, he leads UNO in points. Um, he's probably the closest thing we have right now to a, a go-to point producer, uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how things evolve for him in the second half of the season. <laughs> I was talking to Jason about how I was wondering what we were going to talk about in our Things You Missed at Baxter Arena. Um, we had the Toys for Tots collection on Saturday. They uh, collected toys and monetary donations. Did you guys donate to Toys for Tots, Jason? Absolutely. Yeah, we brought some toys uh, for Toys for Tots. Uh, Scotland dumped them into the bin. Uh, it was also Ugly Sweater Night on Saturday. Jason and I did not wear ugly sweaters, even though they had a design available from Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Uh, we saw I some. Saw that around the rink quite a few times. 
I did too. I saw a number of fans uh, wearing that sweatshirt. Uh, and there were a number of fans wearing just regular um, ugly sweaters uh, for the game. The cheerleaders were wearing ugly sweaters, Jason. Yeah. Jason. <laughs> took me a while to figure out what that was. was like, what is going on over there? I'm like, oh, it's just a cheerleader. Yeah. What are those outfits they're wearing? Jason and I, before the game, we were chatting while well, we noticed a member of UNO's event staff uh, was dressed like Elf. I got some... Running around on some, the ice. Yep, going around checking the ice. So, uh, so yeah, I got some uh, video of that. Uh, one of the interesting things that's been going on all season long that we haven't talked about, and I've been meaning to talk about it, I've been meaning to get some uh, video um, before the game, on the uh, Jumbotron, they show a little slideshow of Mavs who are playing professional hockey currently uh, around the world. Uh, and they have the hashtag pro Mavs. I know the fans love to talk about uh, the accomplishment uh, of old bowl, former UNO hockey players in the pro ranks. Uh, what do you think of having this on the boards? I like it this season. Uh, and like I said, I've been meaning uh, to, uh, to uh, praise this uh, effort because I think it's a good idea to show uh, the players uh, doing their thing in the professional ranks. Yeah. I know you hear it, you know, a lot like I hear it too, of, you know, what happened to this guy and where are they playing and what league is that and all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I agree. I think it's great that they're, they're standing behind that and saying like, Hey, here's, you know, look what happens when they go beyond the four years, five years that they're here in Omaha. Um, I love the addition of of expanding out what your definition of pro was, right? Like when they first started it, it was just the guys that were NHL or, you know, NHL, AHL kind of, you know, gapped kind of guys and stuff. And um, so to see some of the guys that are playing over in Europe and, you know, playing ECHL and kind of working their way through it, uh, especially with some of the recent grads and stuff, the uh, Tyconics and Weiss and and guys like that, like, you know, they're just, they're not going to make the jump straight to the NHL, but, you know, give them a few years, let them, you know, develop out in, in an ECHL or AHL league and, you know, who knows what happens. So, um, yeah, I love going through it and trying to find everyone and see if I can remember, you know, bits and pieces about what they were like when they played here. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, and like you mentioned, like we'll hear about the guys playing in the NHL all the time. You'll hear about, uh, it seems like we hear about Jake Ginsel all the time. Uh, you'll hear about yeah, the Magna brothers, but it's really cool to be able to hear about some of those guys playing uh, in the European leagues uh, and some of the smaller teams uh, like, uh, uh, the the Kansas City Mavericks, for example, seeing some of those guys uh, featured. Uh, when we were up in Duluth last week, they had a wall that had a puck from every NHL team. And then underneath the pucks, they had the names of players who had played for Duluth listed under it, which I thought was a really cool wall mural. And I would love to see more of that memorabilia featured uh, in the parts of the arena that fans see. I know they have some of that down in the locker rooms and in the hallway in front of uh, the UNO uh, locker room at Baxter arena. But uh, I love to see that stuff highlighted. I, I love when we go to other arenas and they have uh, big banners for guys playing uh 
uh, in the professional ranks. Uh, I think that that's really cool. So uh, good job, UNO. Um, keep up that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, we talked about that, though, John. Like, I think the important thing is not just to, like, not just for us fans of hockey where we know the players and things like that, but to have it somewhere where, you know, people that come for a volleyball game or come for a concert or something else, you know, like advertise your hockey by saying like, look what, you know, look what's out there. Right. Um, Ralston arena does it. I play a, a beer league hockey there and they have banners of some of the guys, the former Lancers that played, uh, had long stints and stuff in the NHL. And so, you know, it's, it's neat for me as a hockey fan to see that. But I think like, if you're going to Ralston arena for something else and you see that, you just like their mind trips, like, Oh yeah, there's something else I can do. You know, the next time we don't have plans on a Friday night or something, maybe I'll, you know, see if there's a hockey game and go see you and O play or something. So, you know, hopefully they can find a way to make that something that's, that's not, video based and make it something that that is a, a marketing piece for Baxter Arena and the programs that are there. So hopefully UNO will do more of it because uh because Jason and I both think uh that it's pretty awesome to do that. Uh but we've got a few weeks off here Jason. The next time we'll be seeing you uh is for the uh Desert Hockey Classic that Arizona State uh holds at mullet arena it will be january 5th and 6th so after the new year we play umass lowell in the first game our second opponent is to be determined it depends on the outcome uh, of those uh, first round games we'll either be playing arizona state or we'll be playing harvard out of the ecac uh the river hawks are 6 10 and 2 overall three, six, and one in hockey East UMass Lowell head coach, Norm Bazin is 260, 155 and 41 uh, at UMass Lowell in 13 seasons. Uh, he has led the river Hawks to six NCAA tournaments. Jason UMass Lowell uh, has been a pretty successful program uh, out in hockey East the past decade plus. I guarantee you, if you start thinking about like, are we going to have to play Arizona State or Harvard next? You're going to be playing them for the three, four game, not the one, two game. Some players to watch. Uh, their leading scorer is sophomore forward, uh, Scout Truman. He has four goals and nine assists this season in nets. Uh, two goalies uh, have seen the bulk of the time. Uh, junior Luke Pavisic, uh, who transferred in from UMass Amherst. Uh, he has a 2.99 goals against average and a 0.896 save percentage in eight games this season. And then uh, UMass Lowell senior Henry Welsh has a 2.02 goals against average and a 0.928 save percentage in 12 games this season. Uh, Jason, it's kind of weird doing a prediction for a single game. But we will be out in uh, Arizona for that series, so we'll definitely be doing some updates uh, on the road. Uh, what do you think about UNO's chances against UMass Lowell? I don't expect a blowout or something, um, but I think UNO will win. You look at UMass, they play a lot of close games. They haven't really been blown out, uh, and they don't really blow out teams. I think there's a couple exceptions in there. I know they lost pretty big to Boston, and then the second game of that series i think um, but they play him really close in the first game kind of thing 
Um, and you'll see that a lot with this team. And so when you're in a format here where you don't get to see them again, and you got to go out and, and perform on that first, that first night, um, you know, I hope that our experience, uh, the, the battle tested that we've been having gone through some NCHC games, but also, you know, a non-conference schedule that included Ohio State, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that experience carries us through and gets us over the, um, over the mark with UMass Lowell. I think we get the win. Um, we have a chance to, to get some guys back, uh, who we've been missing lately. Uh, we did not have Matt Miller for the uh, series uh, against St. Cloud this weekend. And I think uh, ultimately we missed uh, the veteran forward in the lineup. In addition, a player that I've been impressed with and I was impressed with early on uh, this season, uh, Zach Erdahl, who transferred from Wisconsin. Uh, he's been out for a while now. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping they get him back because uh, he really uh, seems to be a player who uh, provides a spark offensively. So I think some time to rest, some time uh, to visit uh, visit family over the holidays will do the team good. So I think we'll come out uh, fired up uh, on that game uh, against UMass Lowell, and I think we'll get the win. Uh, I should say for the fans uh, who are headed out to the Desert Hockey Classic, UNO Assistant Athletic Director in Charge of Development, Brock Wismiller, was talking with us after the game uh, on Saturday against St. Cloud. Uh, fans are invited for a team send-off at the team hotel before the Friday game against UMass Lowell. We do not have specific details on that yet, so uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, etc., and we will have details as we get closer to that game. Uh, there will also be a UNO alumni event, Mavs on the Move. Uh, Jason and I talked about the uh, most recent Mavs on the Move event uh, a couple weeks ago when we were out uh, in Denver for that DU series uh, and how much fun it was. Uh, so they will be having one uh, in Arizona Friday, January 5th at a place called Society on 920 East University Drive in Tempe. Uh, they will be holding that from 5.30 to 9 p.m., uh, $15 per person. Uh, the Mavs on the Move event will feature UNO Athletic Director Adrian Dowell and, and UNO Chancellor Joanne Lee, who will be uh, in attendance uh, addressing attendees. Uh, it includes heavy hors d'oeuvres uh, and a hosted bar, and you must be 21 plus to attend. And you Looking can forward to it. Yep. And you can find out details uh, on that at unoalumni.org forward slash Mavs on the move. So it should be a fun time out there. As I said, Jason, Bridget, and I will be uh, will be in attendance. So we will be doing updates and we're looking forward to seeing uh, lots of UNO fans out there. So Jason, until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs!